And welcome to the 35th episode of the very unofficial AICP Study Guide Podcast. I am Jonathan Miller. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, Hopefully, you've got through all of the phenomenon known as Squid Games because you're just under two weeks out now from becoming full-fledged certified planners who will just revolutionize the profession, at least... That should be your goal. I know it sounds cheesy, but for real, if you all don't make our communities better, who will? Shit, if we keep uh, if we keep up the way we're going, you know, spreading income inequality uh, and increasing the wealth gap, I wouldn't be surprised if Squid Games becomes closer to reality than we all might think. Uh, anyways, on a slightly less uh, bleak note, uh, last episode we talked about FDR his first 100 days and some of his actions that started getting us out of the Great Depression, like the Civilian Conservation Corps, the Federal Emergency Relief Administration, the Agricultural Adjustment Act, and the very controversial Homeowners Loan Corporation. This week, though, we're moving forward a bit to talk about the one and only federal planning organization, the National Planning Board aptly named, which was then renamed uh, and moved departments to become the National Resources Planning Board, uh, and a few reports that they ended up developing during their uh, weird tenure, uh, the final report, in name only really, in 1934, and then they had the report Regional Factors in Planning and Development, which was released under the new planning board's name in 1935. It is super confusing, so we will do our best to explain and, frankly, try to understand ourselves uh, how this organization got all moved around and what they even did, really. Oh, and we'll try to sprinkle in some Taylor Grazing Act, too. But let's start with the National Planning Board. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's start with a disclaimer. Uh, Holy shit, is it impossible to trace the uh, lineage, I guess, of the National Planning Board. It changed names and moved agencies like a goddamn chameleon. Uh, Anyways, this whole shtick is what I was able to find and, you know, semi-understand. So please let me know if I get any of this wrong, and I will totally correct it. Anyways... In 1933, as part of the New Deal, FDR created the Public Works Administration as part of, uh, slash, you know, under the authority of, the National Industrial Recovery Act, and that was in June 1933. Now, the Public Works Administration was created in order to, well, work on large public works projects, like the name says. Some projects that you probably know of that happened because of the Public Works Administration were the Hoover Dam, the overseas highway connecting Key West, the Lincoln Tunnel in New York City, uh, the Grand Coulee Dam in Washington State, uh, a bunch of airports, you know, and some other stuff too. Uh, Anyways, uh, part of the Public Works Administration's organization was the creation of the National Planning Board. And their purpose was to, quote, advise and assist the administrator in the preparation of the comprehensive program of public works. Because what exactly was the other option? Just pick projects all willy-nilly? I mean, I'm sure there are some leaders out there who would love to have that kind of autonomy, 
but uh, good old FER, he was better than that. How, though, were they to go about doing this? Well, by one, the preparation, development, and maintenance of comprehensive and coordinated plans for regional areas. Uh, two, survey and research the distribution and trends of the population, land uses, industry, housing, and natural resources, and the socioeconomic aspects involved in projects. And three, the analysis of projects for coordination by location and sequence, basically so projects didn't unnecessarily overlap each other and any project was a fully cooperated effort. So, in June of 1933, Frederick Delano, Charles Miriam, and Wesley Clare Mitchell were appointed as the initial members. And over the course of the next year, the board would hold a series of 17 meetings. And in August of 1934, they put out their, you know, quote, final report, unquote. Uh, of course, this was under the organization's new name, uh, based on their own recommendation, actually. So, how did the National Planning Board get their new name? Well, they were, you know, in the process of planning for public works when they noticed that some of the details that they needed to make their recommendations were severely lacking. So, they recommended uh, changing that by suggesting that they needed a more permanent planning agency. And in June of 1934, uh, apparently, FDR performed an action like straight out of Star Wars and executed Executive Order 6777, uh, which formed the National Resources Planning Board and abolished the National Planning Board. Now, all of this was still under the authority of the National Industrial Recovery Act, and you'll see why this is all important later. Then, in August of 1934, they put out their final report. That's right, it was the NRPB that put out the final report. Uh, this does not mean, however, that Frederick Delano, Charles Merriam, and Wesley Clare Mitchell were just kicked to the curb, though. It just means that they sort of reorganized by moving the board from the Public Works Administration to its own independent board, which reported to the president and not the Public Works Administration's, well, administrator. Uh, anyways, though, what was in this final report that they released in August? Well, it was broken into four sections. Planning activities, a plan for planning, science and planning, and national planning digestive report. And if you want to remember it, just sort of say it like uh, Bubba in Forrest Gump talking about the different kinds of shrimp. Uh, section one, planning activities just really outlined what the National Planning Board did. Uh, section two, a plan for planning outlined, well, just planning in general. This is like a whole lot of peas. Uh, the whole section is basically a primer on planning, uh, historical development, types of planning, what's involved, uh, the goal of, uh, and the functions of a board. Uh, section three, science of planning, outlined the role of science in planning. Uh, mostly, though, how social sciences can aid in planning. In section four, the National Planning Digest of Report, is also exactly how it sounds. Uh, section four outlined the American background in planning and then discussed planning in the US and in the then current times uh, and also planning abroad. So where did the NRPB go from here? 
Well, under its new home, it took a larger focus on natural resources as opposed to public works projects. Ultimately, they ended up creating several committees which had more individualized areas of focus, like land use or water resources. And in December of 1935, they published their, quote, regional factors in national planning and development. Uh, under, again, a new organizational name, the National Resources Committee. Jeez, it's like a stupid-ass word game. So you see, in May of 1935, uh, in a Supreme Court case, which I won't name because who cares, and no one's going to ask you that. Uh, the National Industrial Recovery Act was actually overturned, uh, like it was made illegitimate. And if you remember, the National Resource Planning Board was formed uh, under the authority of the National Industrial Recovery Act, so if that act is deemed to be unconstitutional and illegitimate, so is the NRPB. But FDR said, I really like this board. So he reformed it again uh, under the authority of the Emergency Relief Appropriations Act and just renamed it to the National Resources Committee, you know, arose by any other name. Uh, that's not even really the end of it either. In 1939, it ended up being excluded from the act. It was transferred under the Emergency Relief Appropriations Act. And FDR saved it again by combining the National Resources Committee and the Federal Employment Stabilization Board into a single group, the National Resources Planning Board. Yeah, the same old name. It just like went back uh, under the executive office of the president. So FDR is like planning's hero. He just keeps saving it like a damsel in distress using like a musical chair of names or some word vomit of planning and resources and committee and board and whatever else. It was at this, sorry, it was at this point though that it sort of turned from natural resources to economics and social programs. And eventually it ended up going by the wayside and went away in 1943. Uh, they did release some pretty big reports along the way, uh, most notably the report that we had mentioned earlier, Regional Factors in National Planning and Development, and that was in 1934. So first, this report, Regional Factors in National Planning and Development. Uh, fun story, it was actually selected by national scholars as, quote, part of the knowledge base of civilization as we know it, unquote. Ah, uh, shit you not, it makes it sound super important. Anyways, this report is a whopping 248 pages. It addressed regional problems that were brought about by some recent activities and realizations at the time. Uh, these were very explicitly outlined in the foreword under the title, The Problem. Uh, planners apparently did not mess around. Uh, so those were, one, the increasingly clear realization of the inadequacy of single states to carry out all planning programs necessary for conserving our national resources, both natural and human, as illustrated by the widespread efforts to negotiate interstate compacts dealing with watershed, oil conservation, labor standards, and crime prevention. Two, the development of an extensive interstate cooperation movement. Three, the rise of interstate metropolitan planning. Four, the emergence and activity of two group of states planning regions, the Pacific Northwest Regional Commission and the New England Regional Planning Commission. Five, the establishment of more than 100 types of federal regional areas dealing with field administration and department planning. 
six, the creation of the Tennessee Valley Authority and the proposals for the establishment of other like authorities, and seven, the pressure of economic distress and unbalance in various agricultural industrial areas of the United States, and the corresponding necessity of establishing subnational administration in the regions served by the several economic groups. The next section, which outlined some findings and principles, listed the nine recommendations uh, that were geared towards the problems of regional organizations. Yes, another list. We have one, state planning. Basically just continued support for state planning boards. Two, the establishment of regional planning commissions. Not necessarily permanent, more on an as-needed basis. Uh, This was all, of course, with the support of the National Planning Agency. Three, encouragement of interstate compacts. Four, the use of federal corporate authorities. Uh, Basically, if there's an existing federal group semi-involved, feel free to use them as needed. Five, advance planning. Seems redundant, but yes, the planning should come before the development program. Six, continuous national planning, a recommendation to establish a permanent national planning board. That obviously never happened because we just said it got abolished in 43. Seven, a permanent national development administration. Uh, Basically, the recommendation was that all the work from the Public Works Administration, the Works Progress Administration, the Federal Employment Stabilization Office, etc. These should all be brought together to become a permanent government office. Uh, The recommendation eight is regional development methods. And in a very oxymoronic sounding recommendation, we round it out with number nine, the federal administrative regional centralization which really equated to consolidating a lot of the different autonomous groups to a more hierarchical structure. So as a little bit of an aside, before we get to the summary and you know, the conclusion and all that jazz, uh, I want to point out something that's actually really refreshing to see, and it's odd that you know we get that looking backwards sometimes. So on page, I don't know, Roman numeral seven, third paragraph of the Regional Factors Report, The writers make a pretty important observation, I think, regarding the concept of regional planning. And I think it's actually pretty applicable to what we all do, really. So they make an observation on a detail that they say, quote, is often overlooked, unquote, when we do the whole federal versus states rights thing, which for our purposes, uh, we can also read as the city versus county or county versus state or city versus neighboring city even. What's often overlooked is, quote, the fact that major problem areas frequently overlap state boundaries, or in this case, just read as, you know, whatever boundaries, and yet cover only a part of the whole nation. So they use these examples of production areas or manufacturing areas, transportation, corn, cotton, citrus, coal, yes, I know some of these are super outdated, and make the point that these things don't respect jurisdictional boundaries. But here we are. One city addressing homelessness while their neighbor ignores it. Or one city's economic development team poaching a business from the neighboring city. Does that really help you? Like, is your city really any better off by bringing down your neighbors? Now, you're just a town neighboring a hapless place. Is that any good? Does that really benefit anyone in your community? 
Maybe, and I'm sorry to be preachy here, I just feel very strongly about it. Maybe we should stop pushing problems onto our neighbors and start addressing them together, yeah? Like maybe every city's planning department should have a regional planning division. We have long range planning, transportation planning, code compliance, zoning, why not region? Why can't there be a job uh, where they just work with other divisions on how it all fits in with our neighbors? Like, I don't know, just a thought, call me crazy. Anyways, sorry for the, uh, you know, digression and whatnot and being all preachy. Um, a little over my time now, so we'll, we will push the Taylor Grazing Act to next week. It might actually end up fitting in better. Uh, this week, we did not cover as many topics, but they required a little more clarification with all the name changing and stuff. So we started with the National Planning Board, which was born into the Public Works Administration via the Federal Industrial Recovery Act. Uh, ultimately, they got moved over to their own thing and renamed to the National Resources Planning Board, still under the authority of the Federal Industrial Recovery Act, right before they released their first, quote, final report in 1934 that just outlined a lot of details of planning in general. Then they got another overhaul when the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the Federal Industrial Recovery Act. So they changed names again, like they're in witness protection or something, to the National Resources Committee, and they released another report in 1935 called the Regional Factors in National Planning and Development uh, that basically explained the importance of and provided recommendations on how to appropriately plan in a regional context. In 1939, it changed back to its previous name, the National Resources Planning Board, just before being a done with, uh, sorry, done away with in 1943, because, you know, World War II. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, thank you again for joining me. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at the very unofficial AICPguide at gmail.com, and I will do my best to help out if I can. This week was a little in a long time span. Uh, name changes in reports, misleading names, and whatnot. And really, it was all for naught, too, because there's not even a national planning board anymore. Uh, anyways, for those who tuned in last episode, our question was, which of the programs or acts that we talked about related to employment? The answer there is the Civilian Conservation Corps and the Federal Emergency Relief Administration, both in 1933, uh, if you were wondering for bonus points. If you want to play along this week, we'll do two questions for this episode. Mm. Uh, who were the three original members of the National Planning Board, and what was the name of the organization that published Regional Factors in National Planning and Development? As always, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use for podcasts, and feel free to sign up on the show's website so you can follow along with future episodes, help prepare for the exam, and supplement all of your other study regimens, and share it out with any planners you know, and don't forget to leave a review either. Uh, I told you I'd be better, sort of, I know it wasn't really earlier in the week, but it's still, like, sort of, I mean, like, earlier on this end. So anyways, tune in again next episode. We will hit the Tennessee Valley Authority since it's one of the factors that was brought up in the regional factors in national planning and development. 
Then we'll pivot over to the Taylor Grazing Act, I promise, and then round it out with two other conservation acts, the Soil Conservation Act and the Historic Sites, Buildings, and Antiquities Act. Thanks again, everyone. Until next time.